Like I remember mm-hmm. the first time I I heard all this stuff at a training, and I was like, "This explains so much about me." And it was like eye opening to me because up to then in my life, I felt like even I couldn't understand myself. No one understands me, and even I don't understand me. This is a show about self discovery, about understanding ourselves, about looking into the mirror to see the good, the bad, and the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God and everyone else. From Love Thy Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Enneacast. Welcome back to the IdiotCast. I am Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram one type at a time. And today's episode, we will be exploring type four, commonly known as the creative, or as I like to call it, the best number on the Enneagram. (laughs) Yeah, because as maybe... It might be a surprise to our listeners, but Jesse here is a four. <laughs> so this one's going to be exciting. Um, but, you know, I like fours. Yeah. Fours, you know. No, fours. All my best friends are fours. Like, it's totally like fours are some of my favorite people. They really do bring awesome things to the well, world. What is, it, all, what is it that you like about fours? Oh, they're all just so special. <laughs> I'm, I, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They really do bring a sense of beauty and wonder and awe to, to the world that I otherwise wouldn't have access to i just go through life not seeing the world the same way so i'm very thankful for the fours in my life that get me in touch with my heart and my emotions okay so before we even hit record you were telling me like you know you'd go and you like hang out with a friend and you guys would be walking like down the street right right? Mm -hmm. and she looks over and she sees like this thing you know like a leaf or or the bottle the bark on the tree or the the glass on the ground or the raindrops in the yeah yeah it's totally just everything is beautiful everything has potential everything has awe and wonder and it's just like oh you're right but at first you're like that's a tree like you know there's a sense in which that i did not see it that way until the four with me was able to open my eyes to the beauty that was beneath the surface all along yeah the healthy four the healthy four wakes us all up to the beauty that's right in front of us yeah. you know like the, we look around and we go like oh that's just a common table you know but the four can look at it and go like that's beautiful. Like, look at the look at the wood. Look, think about the forest it came from. Mm-hmm. Think about the the carpenter that made this thing, and all that goes. Think about the meals that are going to happen around that table. Yeah, like the four has the ability to see the enchanted in the very ordinary daily world, and that that's a healthy four. Okay, so Sam, tell me some of the other nicknames for the four. Yeah, so you said the creative, but they're also called the romantics, the idealist, the dreamers. Um, the melancholic, the tragic victim. And we'll get into some of that later as to why that would make sense for the fours. But they really do. They kind of carry a deep sense of longing and beauty with them in their relationships. Yeah. And uh, I've also heard them referred to as the originalist mm, um, yep. because they really like unique, original things. Yeah. yeah. Unique things. The special so, one. Yeah. Yeah. The special <laughs> one. Yeah. Thank you for recognizing that. You're welcome. Um, so uh, so these folks, when they're resourceful, the originalist, the creative, these folks are caring they they really they have a lot of compassion they care about other people and they're in tune with the needs of other people and they they want to care for those folks 
they have a heightened sense of beauty. So where other personality types might walk into the room and uh, and go, hey, this is a really well-built building. Or they might walk into the room and just go, hey, is this building safe? Are there enough fire extinguishers? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a four is going to walk in and go like, look at this architecture. Like, yeah. look at how this room feels. Look at these paint colors. Um, so they're very oriented around aesthetic. Uh, these folks are sensitive. You know, they have deeply felt emotions and they are they freely allow those emotions to integrate into who they are. They are part of who they are and they want to emotionally respond to the world that they're living in. Um, they're individualists and so they really enjoy trailblazing new original paths. You know, they're intense. You know, the number one word that has followed me around my entire life. I remember the first time I was in middle school and someone goes, you know, you're kind of intense. And huh. and, uh, and that word has followed me forever. I was listening to uh, the Typology podcast not long ago and uh, Matthew Perriman Jones is on there. He's a four. Mm-hmm. And Incron's talking to him and he goes, you know, if I could ask all the other relationships in your life just to kind of give me a word to describe you. And uh, Matthew Perriman Jones is thinking about it and it's silent. And then he goes, probably intense. My wife almost wrecked the car wow. because she was laughing so hard. That word, absolutely, it, it describes the four uh, because we we are expressive folks. Yeah. So and it's and it's we love that about you. Like that's one of the gifts of the four is just the ability to wake us all up, like we said, and just tap into that emotional reality that we all have. That yeah, fours just wear their heart on their sleeve, and they wear everybody else's heart on their sleeve too. Well, okay, so so we we can be expressive, and that can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it can <laughs> also sometimes not be such a good thing. Like yeah, yeah, sometimes, yeah. Um, you know, it's a double-edged sword. So uh, what happens uh, when we become non-resourceful and unhealthy? Yeah. So for, like we said, there's a sense of longing that comes into the play for the four and that that ability or that just innate essence and desire to long, it never becomes satisfied. So they just, they need to kind of just nurse that longing, the thing that they have. Um, they believe that there were, there's something wrong with them and they're born without something and they, everybody else has something that they don't. So they become uh, very inwardly focused, inwardly defined. Um, they become moody and dramatic and overly reactive, overly misunderstood. They kind of wear this aura of like, you don't get it. You wouldn't understand the depth of my feelings. They're very unique and no one's ever experienced this before. Yeah. And of course, you know, the big fear is like, if you do start to understand me, you know, I need to change the game up so that you don't understand me. And so that makes the other, you know, the other people in our world sometimes feel like, which version of this person yeah. am I going to get? Yeah, because as kids, they grew up in environments where they weren't understood. They often felt like they didn't identify with either parent. And so it's really easy for the four to kind of wear this posture of I'm different. I don't match my surroundings and I'm the black sheep of the family. And so that that image, that idea that kind of carries with them. And so they, they wear that and they feel misunderstood. And then that can also become a snobbish thing that they feel not only do they feel different than others, but they feel elevated from their peers and different and isolated from them. Yeah. When you're thinking when you're talking about like, you know, emotionally overreactive and longing, you know, I I mean, I totally think of Anne of Green Gables. Like, yes. She is like your classic quintessential yeah. four. Yeah. Like, and we love, you know, Anne Shirley. But, you know, she was kind of a hot mess at the same time. Uh, and, you know, the other people that I think of actually is I think of every two-year-old ever. Oh, Because, man. you know, two-year-olds, like, they are dramatic and they're moody and they tend to overreact. And they're never and satisfied. They're never satisfied. And everything like, is no. I'm like, I just look at a little two-year-old and I'm like, dude, I get you, man. I, I understand <laughs> what resonates. you are going through. Yeah. Uh, But you know the other one that I recently, I'm a huge fan of The Office, Mm -hmm. and I 
I sadly, and this was a hard, it took me a while to accept this as true. I think that Michael Scott is a non-resourceful for. Really? He longs, he overreacts, he's snobbish. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's you almost, know, he's never he's satisfied. Like, everything is about, okay, I have a moment, everybody listen to me, and it's yes. like, and it's all performance-based, yes. it's all about theatricality, and, and it's never, like, the idea of working in an office is terrifying for him, so he has to make it special in some yes, way, every single yes, episode. Absolutely. So That's so, interesting. Yeah, so, it took me a while to accept that, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I might be Michael Scott. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so here's what happens, though, is that there's a wake-up call for every personality type. And this is the moment at which uh, we are heading down a path and there are a bunch of signs that are saying, danger, turn back, do not continue down this path. Mm-hmm. And for the four, that is when we begin to hold on to and intensify feelings by use of our imagination. In other words, we retreat into our imaginations and we begin to play out scenarios or play out emotions that we're feeling by use of our imagination. That is the moment at which we need to know it is time to turn back because uh, the things are not going to go well for us. So every single type has a deadly sin that they struggle with. Uh, the four, the originalist, the creative, they are in the heart triad. So their primary struggle in life is the issue of shame, the belief that they're defective, mm-hmm. the belief that everyone else possesses something that they lack and that there's something just kind of broken and wrong with them. And for the four, what happens is that that shame eventually grows and gives birth to envy. And what they primarily become envious of is they become envious of other people that they perceive to have something more special than they than they do or mm-hmm. to possess a quality that is more special than what they have or inherently to be more special than they are. They, they have an envy of the ability to uh, to have an easygoing life, to be able to let things roll off their back and not let things bother them. And they grow this envy through things like elitism. Um, so we like we are keepers of cool. We are the cool police. Oh, man. Yeah. We roll into a place and we judge everything. Like literally my personal assistant last year was also a four. We played a game every day where we would send one song to each other and the game was called Cool or Lame. And that was wow. it. Yeah. We would judge every song as cool or lame. Yeah. And, and it was strictly just a metric of like who could out cool the other person, right? Or no? Yeah, I completely bombed. Like apparently I'm old and nothing, everything was lame. Everything yeah. was lame. Yeah, and yeah. You know what though? But let me say this. I would sometimes catch her secretly enjoying things that I sent her. So I'm fairly certain that it was lame in the moment to prove a point, but we all know that I still had good taste. Sure, sure, yeah. Okay, uh, fear of the ordinary. So things like uh, things like going to chain restaurants, you know, fours resist that kind of stuff. Um, having routine schedules that are the same every single day, fours tend to want to resist that stuff. Um, self-absorption and then longing for something more. There's got to be more than this in life. Yeah, yeah. And so even though life can be wonderful, uh, we nurture that envy by longing for something more. Yeah, never being satisfied with the ordinary. It's always yeah. something, whatever... I need is always out there. It's never right here. Yes, absolutely. So, Sam, every every personality type carries with it some kind of defense mechanism, some type of psychological defense. So for the four, what is that? Yeah, it's this process called introjection, which is the idea that there is a sense of unhealed pain from the past that they're carrying with them and this um, inability to be healed and to relinquish that and to move on because to move on would do a disservice to the pain that they are feeling. And so they often feel unsatisfied with their present as a result of that because, you know, it will never 
be as good as the past and the future is always just too far away. And so it's this it's just really this state of of discontentment and introjection that. Yeah, yeah. So we we have this temptation, you know, to sort of become melancholic, a little sad, a little kind of like a chip on your shoulder a little bit. Or we like look at the world and we always see what's missing instead of what is good. And so and and of course, you know, that is really just a means by which uh, we try to feel special. It's a way to differentiate us, you know, from all the other people in our lives. Mm. And so every personality type has an idol that they're tempted to worship that they believe is going to make them safe or give them identity or that is going to heal them. Uh, And for the four, the idol that they are tempted to worship is being unique. And every idol requires sacrifices. And here's what being unique requires you to sacrifice. Being unique requires you to sacrifice future happiness because guess what? Eventually the future will become the present. Dang. And as soon as the present gets here, feeling discontent about this moment. Um, yeah, the, never, the uh, unquenching, like the never satisfied. Yeah, like, yeah. totally, totally. Uh, it's uh, being unique uh, requires us to sacrifice feeling accepted, feeling understood by others, because as soon as you begin to understand me, then, you know, clearly I'm not all that special. Mm. Um, I had lunch with uh, somebody a couple years ago and she said, oh, I just took the Enneagram last week. And I go, oh, what did you think of it? And she goes, that thing's crap. And I go, what number are you? Are you a four? And she goes, maybe. Yeah. And it was totally, she was so terrified that this Enneagram thing was going to like put her in a box that she just wanted to like disassociate. Well, yeah, because it it takes, like you're saying, it takes away their sense of self. Like it's more than just like, I'm too cool for that thing. It's like, if I'm that thing, then I'm not who I thought I was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then being unique also requires us to sacrifice emotional equanimity and calm. Because if we look around and everybody else is just sort of calm and just kind of going through the motions or sort of being level-headed, then there's a sense of like, oh, you know, I need to be different than that. I better have these big emotional reactions in order to remind the world that I'm different than the rest of you. Yeah. So it's like they use their emotions to, they almost like leverage their emotions in a way that sets them apart. It's not even like they're genuinely feeling the emotion. Right. That's right. Well, there's times where, you know, sadly, you know, when those of us that are fours, when we're non-resourceful, we kind of weaponize our emotions. We we know that our emotions can kind of intimidate some other people. Mm -hmm. And so we'll kind of let them get kind of big and will tend to overreact, you know, and half the time, you know, in, in all honesty, I mean, a lot of times what I've overreacted is doing my non-resourceful for stuff. I'm like, man, I just came across as a big baby having a tantrum. That was not helpful to anybody oh, in, yeah. in that moment. It's like super embarrassing after it happens. Um, you know, so a lot of times uh, the four is, is pretty dissatisfied with life if they're non-resourceful. And the reason is because uh, they continue to carry unhealed pain from the past which uh, makes them discontent and melancholy in the present. And they're always longing for life to be more special in the future. So fours get in this place where they're either stuck in the past, thinking about past pain, or they're longing for a more special future. And sometimes that makes them come across as being very, very head in the clouds, disconnected from today. Man, and what uh, a life that you would like. Yeah, it's that's, challenging. The stakes are so high with the, with that kind of posture, though, because you you miss so much of the things that are happening right around you because you're too worried about what 
hasn't happened yet or what already happened that was better yeah. than this, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's it is a very it's a it's a pretty unhappy way to live. And but the good news is this. Yeah. Is that God knows that he knows that that's the temptation for us. He does not leave us there. He knows that we feel ashamed of much of who we are and he responds to that shame with his delight by singing over us, delighting in us, doting over us and in response to that, he begins to grow what virtue inside of the four. Yeah, it's the idea of balance. And so they move from a, an unhealthy state where they're really emotionally overreactive and being driven by their emotions to a place where they're more in tune with with their thoughts and their time and the opinions of others and just other people around them so they can be more emotionally attuned to themselves and what the Lord may be asking of them. And we become accepting of who we are in Christ. Yeah. Christ has made me the way that I am. And that's not a mistake. And mm-hmm. I can accept that. Christ accepts me as I am. And he still delights in me. And so it's okay that I'm a little emotional. It's mm-hmm. okay that I struggle with things. It's okay that I like the things that I like. Mm-hmm. But I don't need to constantly try to set myself apart from other people. Because it's also okay if I like things that aren't all that you know popular or if I love the thing that everybody else loves, yeah, it's okay. It doesn't need to be all that special because the truth is all of us are special. Every single person is special in the eyes of Christ. And as we accept that, you know, then we're able to experience a more full and robust life without, you know, freaking out and overreacting all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. I think when we talk about the four and their gift, it's the ability to see the beauty and the wonder and the awe. Like, I think about the parable or of the lost sheep, we know our four friends, they go to the one, they leave the 99 for the one. And, and so to, for the four, it's, it's a message of the hearing from the Lord, like, Hey, I left the 99 for you. Like, I see you, you're special. I know the hairs on your head. I delight in you. And I, you are enough. I think that that's a really healing message for the four. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Well, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk with truly one of my favorite fours, one of my close friends, One of my co-creators, my co-originalists, will be talking with Rachel Zabo. So please stay with us. Do issues of poverty and injustice make you feel heartbroken, overwhelmed, or confused? Are you like many young adults who see all of these needs happening around the world, but you just don't know where to start? Well, we can help with that. Love Thy Neighborhood is an urban missions agency for young adults impacting social justice issues, both physically and spiritually. We've helped hundreds of young adults just like you do justice and build better Christian community. We partner with over a dozen nonprofits throughout the city that are on the front lines of causes like crisis pregnancy, homelessness, orphan care, refugees, and more. Or perhaps you want to contribute in a way that's a little bit more behind the scenes. We also have internship tracks in the areas of nonprofit leadership, as well as media and design and visual arts. So if you're between the ages of 18 and 30, head over to our website at lovethyneighborhood.org Take a look at all of the different causes where you can make an impact. Choose the ones that you're most passionate about, and we will pair you up with an organization where you will make a real difference in real lives. We offer opportunities for a summer or a year. So again, head over to our website, lovethyneighborhood.org, and apply now. Hey, welcome back to the IndiaCast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. And right now, uh, we don't have to travel very far to talk with our guest today. Uh, our resident healthy four today is Rachel Zabo. Uh, Rachel is the producer of the Love That Neighborhood podcast. 
And right now, I guess we're actually we're in your studio. Yeah. Welcome to my office. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thanks. yeah. thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. <laughs> thanks for being here, Rachel. <laughs> Anytime. Anytime. Okay, so Rachel, you, you just heard uh, our overview of your type. So what resonates with you? Pretty much the entire, everything about the four. Like, I am textbook type four. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's uncanny. Like, I remember mm. the first time I, I heard all this stuff at a training, and I was like, this explains so much about me. And it was like eye-opening to me because up to then in my life, I felt like even I couldn't understand myself. Like it was that permeated. Wow, yeah. Throughout. So this was a really kind of clarifying yes. journey. For, yeah, the Enneagram yeah. was really Even I was like, you. no one understands me and even I don't understand me. Yeah, And yeah. like, I'm a mystery to myself. Others don't understand me and I don't understand. That's like meta unique. That's like, that's like next level stuff. Like, why are you the way you are? I don't know. I'm a mystery to myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get it for. You know, it's very hard for me when things are not super special. Like when the day is not like there's no special activities in the day. And it's like that makes me feel like I've I've failed at something. It's like I didn't do something right because nothing was awesome today. Yeah. Like one of your most common expressions, like if I go like, so how was it? And you'll go, eh. <laughs> like that's like your most common and then I'm and I know that that's your way of saying like it was normal. Yeah, and also to like my I have a lot of emotions and they speak very loudly. And I've had to learn, you know, to like ride that wave and like not let them drive the car, um but let them like be in the passenger side of the car and come along with me. So Yeah, emotions are very happy to like kick us out of the driver's seat and just go, "I got this, everybody." Mhm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So fours, they're often described as artists of the world, you know, the really creative type. You all are actually both fours. And so this is super interesting to have this moment to kind of talk through this type with with two different fours in the room. So Rachel, um, how do you see this ability to cultivate beauty and creativity show up in your life? Yeah, well, I mean, the obvious answer is in my job. Mm -hmm. So I produce a podcast for Love Thy Neighborhood, which takes a lot of creativity. It's a lot of storytelling and I feel like the the art of storytelling is something that's very beautiful and there's a lot of thought and creativity that goes into that so definitely definitely there um also really like dancing a lot um just very like creative like physical expression mm -hmm. so one of the things that I'll say sometimes to to fellow fours is I'll say you know emotions are like wild horses and doing good tangible creative work corrals those horses you know, in a healthy way, instead of letting the horses just kind of run wild, you know, doing good creative work gives those horses an appropriate space to move within. You know, one of the other ways, too, that I see it kind of show up, you know, with you and I see it with myself, I see it with a lot of fours is like the way that we dress, you know, like we, mm, we just don't yeah. like conventional clothing. I don't know what to say. Like, yeah. Um, you know, so for you, Rach, like you don't like the idea necessarily of going like, oh, I'm going to go put on, you know, this very traditional, you know, business professional garb, you know, like that's not your thing. Yeah. So here's a true story I sang uh, in the choir at church once and it was on Good Friday. And so the director was like, everyone, please wear black. And I was like, do I even own black clothing? Like plain, like I couldn't have any patterns or anything. He's like, just wear plain black. And I was like, Oh, no. <laughs> well, here's what's funny, though, is that, you know, so we're both the same core type, but we have different wings. Mm -hmm. And so Rachel go, Rachel's a four wing five and I'm a four wing three. We'll talk about the wings later in the season. But somebody asked me the other day, like, what's your favorite color? I'm like, black. Black right, is my, yeah. I'm like Batman. I know the I fours like that are black listening and dark gray. are probably like all I own is black. But for you, like, it's not uncommon for you to have like a striped pattern shirt with like different kind of pattern shorts with like some tights on underneath and then a hat, you know, like it's very like. 
kind of its own story or outfits of the day. Yeah. So yeah. So probably like my favorite outfit to wear would be yellow pants, like bright yellow pants, a green, like a grass green t shirt mm-hmm. with a coral jean jacket. Like that's one of my favorite things oh, wow. to wear. Yeah, I'm wearing black jeans and a white shirt right now, and that's about <laughs> this is about as cool as it gets for me. Like yeah. Um, okay, so some other personality types that like they they struggle to to know their feelings or to express their feelings, but that's actually one of the gifts of the four is is expressing and knowing their feelings. You know, why do you think that your personality type places so much emphasis on emotional honesty and emotional presence? I don't know. Like that's just the space that we live in. Like that's my lens of the world, and so it's like asking somebody, "Why do you see the world the way that you see it?" And it's like. Well, because I do. <laughs> I don't know. The the emotional like honesty and like emphasis on emotion, like I I get a lot of like meaning from life, like through like what the emotions are that are attached to things. So like I was thinking about this too the other day. I was like, my memories are like not necessarily like I don't remember what happened, but I definitely remember like that's how I felt in that moment. And so like memory like you have an emotional memory of the experience right. more than a detailed uh, memory of the experience. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so and because that's how I view the world and that's like the lens I'm taking in everything with, then I like obviously I want I expect other people to also do the same to also be like, well, how does that make you feel? And like, here's my emotion and like and not everyone can do that and not everyone knows how to do that. And I have to learn to like oh, like they don't see the world in the same lens that I see it. Yeah, yeah. I love the fact too, like just with, you know, a lot of the the creative types and the fours of the world, you know, um, emotional expressions are just, it's important to them. And and what I love is that I do think that it reflects uh, the character of God. I think that, that mm. God is very emotional. You know, I know that we get scared yeah. of emotions as people. And I also know that we abuse it. We overreact at times, and, you know, those those kinds of things. But generally speaking, I think that that is the, portion of the character of God that we represent, the the creativity, the really deep affections, uh, the the passionate responses. You know, I look at I look at the Psalms and I'm like, dude, David, man, that guy, he's got so much for going on inside <laughs> of him. I mean, he's like, he's like, Lord, forgive me of my sins, but smite all those that oppose you. <laughs> my like, enemies, yeah. yeah. I mean, but he's then, just, and then he's like, oh, I'm I'm down in the pit. Well, yeah. me, I'll never. Yeah, I'm like, up, I'm like, Lord. dude, that that bro. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if he was alive today, he might be medicated. Like, he's got a lot going <laughs> he's all on. All over the place. Yeah, I'll say though, like, just to kind of speak to the gift that the fours both offer. I think for anybody that listens to our flagship podcast they both they would be able to say like man that podcast is just so like it gets me in my feelings I cry every episode like that's just the constant feedback that we get and I think it's because you all are both fours and and not that oh fours are so emotional but no it's like you have an acute sense of not only the pain of that moment that the story that you're telling but how to craft that in a narrative that that really does bring the audience with you and kind of lets them sit in that and let really allows us to access our own emotions and our own responses to those moments so it is really like a praise for the fours both in this room and just in general like we really do value the gift and the ability that that fours can cultivate a sense of emotional awareness that for those of us that aren't in the heart triad, it's really necessary. It's a really good gift that you all have. Yeah. And I think you made a good point too, Jesse, about how it's like we often see that emotions are like bad or they're wrong. And so it's like anytime you're feeling an emotion, it's like, oh, I need to stop emoting. And that's not yeah, good luck. healthy. Yeah. Right. Like, no, like emotions are part of like the way God has 
created us and like God has emotions too. And so it's like if God has them, that doesn't mean they're wrong. But yeah, things are skewed and like we don't handle them correctly. But as we learn like to be more healthy in how we express our emotions or what kind of gravity we choose to like give to our emotions, I think it does display like you're experiencing part of the character of God when you are having a healthy relationship with your emotions. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, so you talked about this earlier. I mean, like me, do you ever find yourself like your emotions, you know, they just get ahead of you? Like, you know, you're kind of okay, you're feeling pretty good, and then something happens, and it's just like your emotions just are like an atomic bomb went off, and all you see is your emotions. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes would be the answer. I mean, seriously, they're... There, um, not so much now, um, but there used to be days where it would be like, like if I was just having a really like hard day, like my emotions were just very like sad, sour, like it was not a good day. Everything seemed really dark. I'd be like, I'm just going to go to bed because I know in the morning when I wake up, my emotions could be totally different. And like legitimately, like I can go to bed feeling one way and then I wake up feeling another way and nothing has happened. It just is. I completely resonate with that because when I was younger, I was like, I feel this way and I need to do something about it. And I would like throw myself into that emotion. But as I've gotten older, very much what you've said, I've recognized emotions come and go, you know, and the best thing that I can do is to stay fixated on an objective truth. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm with this person, you know, in this moment, I need to love them regardless of what I'm feeling or God has told me this truth in scripture. I need to choose to believe it and act as though I believe, even if my emotions are trying to tell me otherwise. Uh, When I feel like, oh gosh, my life isn't as special as I want it to be. I need to have the discipline to look around and go, I have a pretty amazing life. But very much so, I totally resonate with what you're saying in terms of like, you know, it's like 1030 at night and I'm like, I just need to go to bed. That's what I need because I need to let my emotions have the opportunity to reset. Yeah, there definitely have been times where everything's cool, like I'm great, easygoing, and then someone will say like one thing that like triggers something. Usually it's a trigger of like feeling like not wanted or like they don't care about me or something like that. And then all of a sudden I'm just like, and I like go into complete meltdown mode and I've learned like people don't know how to handle that and you shouldn't do that to other people because they don't appreciate it and so I've had to like I've had to go and apologize to a lot of people several times because I've just like totally lost it on them and then I like think about it later I'm like oh that's probably a little overreactive yeah well and, and it gets back to this like one of the inner dialogues that force have with themselves is we tell ourselves like no one understands me no one gets me and then we do things like that but the truth is we're doing things like that so that we can ensure that no one will understand us right it's like you don't understand me and you never will yeah yeah or it's like i feel like no one understands me and then they go hey tell me about something you like and then we say this really 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 weird outlandish thing and we see that they're like that's really, really weird. And I don't know what to think about. What And we're like, see, you don't understand me. But a lot of times, if we're honest with ourselves, I feel like a lot of times it's just us perpetuating our own safety net, which is I don't know how to be close to people mm-hmm. because that feels super scary. 
So I'd rather feel misunderstood rather than take the risk of actually being loved and accepted for who I am. Yeah, we're like our own worst enemy. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, because it goes back to like you have this really acute ability to to connect with others. And so you start that connection process and you may there may have been a moment where it's like you both share something pretty personal. And then you're like, oh, they like there's just like a glimpse of like somebody knows something about me. I, I better pull back. I better do something that will perpetuate the misunderstoodness that I have been carrying with me. And and really, I'm curious because you had alluded to something earlier about comparison and um, envy and the things that the four struggles with is envy. And so we talked about how fours feel like something's missing from them, that there's just a sense of not being complete or whole. And um, yeah, I'm just curious if you could elaborate a little bit on that. How does that the concept of envy manifest itself for you? And how do you navigate that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is very interesting. I actually was thinking about this yesterday. I was like, man, I feel like I've not been like investing a lot in like my friendships and the relationships that are around me. And I was kind of digging into that a little bit. And I was like, I came to this realization that I was like, oftentimes I feel threatened by other people. And it's it's an envy. The root of it is envy. And I'm envious because I feel like, oh, they're going to do something that's going to make them more special. They're going to do something that's going to mean you know, other people will need them and they won't need me. And so I get very envious of like my positioning, I guess, or like my status with other people because I see other people as a threat to my position. And so when people are like, you know, they do something really awesome or people are like, they're kind of like focused on those people. And I'm like, oh no, like I want that. Like they've taken that from me. I need to get it back or something like that. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I know that the heart triad sees every exchange or every kind of encounter as a relational like there are relational stakes to anything that happens for the for the twos it's very much like you know how can I help you and for the threes it's like am I am I doing enough am I succeeding but yeah for the four it's all about like identity I think especially for for all of the heart triad but particularly for the fours it's about sense of self do you recognize me am I special am I good enough do you see me you know is that is that true yeah like it's like who am I to you Mm -hmm. and it feels like at least for me, I don't know if this is a four thing or this is a me thing, but it feels like my question is like, who am I to you? And that always feels like it's up for question. Mm-hmm. Like there's never like a this is who I am, period. It's like, well, today I'm this to you and tomorrow I might be something else. Well, let me ask you this. Um, you know, fours, like we love feeling unique and special and it's to a fault sometimes <laughs> because we end up trying to build like our whole identity around being unique and special. You know, what encouragement would you give to other fours who feel the temptation to over identify with obscure, special, unique things? Again, it's like this thing of like we're our own worst enemy. And so we're like, no one understands me. No one gets me. No one loves me. But then we're like, constantly putting out these like totally obscure like things that we love to do or maybe even if it's not obscure but it's like the major the vast circle of your friends don't enjoy the same thing oftentimes as long as it's not popular it's like the thing we love as long as it's not too popular as long as at least like less than five people like it (laughs) is that because like there is anonymity in crowds like you know what i mean like if I were to go along with the masses, I would lose a sense of self. Right. Well, then yeah, you're not absolutely. unique anymore. Yeah. yeah. Then, then you're just okay. like everyone else. So, but, but then you end up pushing people away, which is like the exact opposite of what we really want, because really we want like to be known. We want to be loved. And so, again, it's just like this vicious cycle of like, 
we want to be loved, but then we like push them out because we're being like strangely unique. And it's like we like this odd thing that no one else likes. And we're like, well, you don't understand me. You wouldn't understand it. And it's like we don't let people in on that experience. And then that perpetuates the like no one understands me. And so then we just dig deeper into it and it goes over and over and over. Yeah. And of course, the real risk is that not only do we carry that into, you know, our um, our horizontal relationships, but we carry that into our relationship with God as well. Because we're going like, you know, the Lord feels far away and I feel forsaken by him. And we go into like this, you know, we're like become like dark poets, you know, like we just sort of push the Lord away from us when the reality is like. He delights in us and he loves us, whether we love weird stuff or whether we love, you know, very common uh, day to day stuff. I think I think the other thing, too, is like the real trick for fours is getting to a place where they see the ordinary as miraculous. The healthiest fours that I know, they have that gift. It's the ability to live this daily life and they look around and it's like their minds are being blown by the beauty of the world that they're in. The unhealthy four is the one that goes All of this is kind of crap, and they keep looking for the special thing that's somewhere out there. Mm -hmm. The the real healthy fours are the ones that are able to go, no, this is amazing. Being alive is amazing, and it's miraculous and beautiful. And, yeah, there's obscurity in it, but there's also just goodness, abundant goodness. Well, uh, when we come back, we're going to be playing Not My Type with Rachel Zabo. Stay with us. Today on the Enneacast, we're exploring Type 4, the originalist. And we've talked about the fact that Type 4s have extremely high highs and very low lows, and that they're actually the most susceptible to depression. Our guest, Rachel Zabos, had her own personal journey with depression. And if you'd like to hear more of her story in depth, head over to our other show, the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast. And specifically, make sure to check out episode number seven, where the gospel meets mental illness. I remember at one point you said to me, I think it's time that you go to counseling. In fact, I had immoralized it. I had spiritualized it. I would pray. I would see the Lord and ask him to help me. And then I started becoming delusional. It's a scary thing to see someone that you love in a full mania state. This isn't just my issue. Like, this is affecting everyone else around me. So subscribe now wherever it is that you listen to podcasts by searching for Love Thy Neighborhood or head over to our website at lovethyneighborhood.org slash podcast. Welcome back to the IndiaCast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. And now... Let's play Not My Type. Okay, so Sam, the game is Not My Type. And the reason it's called that, of course, is that you are not the same Enneagram type as Rachel. Right. So I have asked Rachel five questions, all related to her personality type. And she's given me her answers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you these questions and I'm going to give you three possible answers. Two of them are lies and only one of them is the truth. Okay. You have to figure out which one of them was Rachel's actual answer. Oh, gosh. For everyone that you get correct, you get a point. Everyone that you get wrong, you don't get any points. 
All right. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. Okay. You don't know me, Sam. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see how well you understood understand the mysterious no, four. Oh my gosh. Yeah, did you come up with the other answers? This is just like who is the, who can I did out come for, up with them, yeah. Who Sorry. can out so, for the yeah, other person? Yeah, we'll see how obscure these get. <laughs> Great. Okay, so uh, question number one. You've just found out that you'll have to work as a bank teller for the rest of your life. Your first thought is, A, God is clearly angry with me. <laughs> B, at least I'm not the mayor. Or C, shoot me now. Oh, man. I don't know why you would want to be the mayor. Like, I don't know that that was, like, the next thought. So, fours hate ordinary. They hate routine. They, I'm going to go with A. A, God is clearly angry with me. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It just sounds like it would be a punishment. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Rachel? All right, so I said... Shoot me now. Oh, oh man, that was my next and why did you say, Why did you say that? Probably because I would rather be dead than be a bank teller. <laughs> Dude, this game got dark fast. <laughs> I didn't want to choose C for that reason, but <laughs> maybe. Mean, but this is where I, I live. I gotta go with my gut. Okay. <laughs> this is my headspace. <laughs> okay, right. question, uh, question number two. What do you feel when someone buys you mass reproduction art from Hobby Lobby? A, this is great. For the dumpster. Oh, man. B, looks like I've got my dirty Santa re-gift ready. Hmm. Or C, this is nice. I needed a new canvas to paint on. Ooh, this one is tricky. So... Can I just point out the fact that none of these possible answers are, thank you for this gift, I'll <laughs> hang it on my wall. Yeah. I just want to point that out. Well, you wrote two of them and she wrote the other one. Well, these are all possible responses. For the so. four, yeah, I don't think that they would be, like you're saying, happy to receive a gift from Hobby Lobby because it's where creativity goes to die. No. <laughs> it's mass reproduced. Yeah. That's, Nothing about that you is You all unique. said it, not me. So I think the, oh man, probably the re-gift one because I don't think that you would want to, I think you wouldn't want to part with it in a way that you lose it. I think you're thrifty. I think you would want to give it away in some in some way. Okay, so you don't think she'd want to throw it away. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it goes in so the you dumpster. Think, uh, so you think she would want to re-gift it later, give it to somebody else. Yeah, so I don't let know me why. Pass, let me pass this curse on to someone else. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so Rachel, what was your answer? Uh, so my answer actually was, thanks, I needed a new canvas. Oh, man. Which is true because under my bed, I have a stack of okay paintings. I don't know what to call them. I would call them terrible. Yeah, but, I should have done know. that because you were creative and you can make it into yeah. a new art project. And I just want to say this is this is where like our snootiness just comes out. Like oh, We turn into sure. like the cool police and we're just yes. like, that's beneath us. Right. Yeah. And on behalf of all fours everywhere, I am sorry. I am sorry <laughs> that we are like this. It's uh, true. Yeah, but I yes. also want to be honest and tell you, we may not change. But yeah, but we cringe at the mass reproduced art. We just can't help it. Okay, uh, question number three. If your emotions had their own amusement park, it would be called A, Ride the Wave, B, Six Flags Over My Emotional Outbursts, or C, Best of Times, Worst of Times. Oh, man. These are all funny. I can tell that creative people came up with the options because they all sound equally plausible and just completely ridiculous. (laughs) Um, That sums it up. Yeah, so I'm actually... Going to th- go with one that I I think is Rachel's the because you said it earlier you said ride the wave and I think that that would be maybe your mantra for your emotions I think that and also the second one just sounds like Jesse wrote it <laughs> so I may be <laughs> cheating but I'm gonna go with A okay Rachel that is correct Yay! yes ride yeah. the wave 
And why? Yeah. So um, somebody, a mentor once told me, he was like, you just need to learn the ride, to ride the wave of your emotions. And I looked him in the face. I said, I don't know what that means. I was like, that means zero to me. That's you're not speaking English. Um, and then one day, if this was like, granted, this was like several years later. Um, one day I like had an experience and I like had an emotion about something. I don't remember if I was like angry or envious or what it was. But I was like, I acknowledged it. I was like, oh, that situation just made me feel blank. Huh. And then I like kept going with my day. And I was like, oh, I did it. I was like, I rode the wave. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, question number four. You've just discovered that your new job has a strict dress code requiring a prescribed uniform from head to toe. All employees are required to match. What hymn title best describes <laughs> oh your response? <laughs> a, I'll fly away. <laughs> B, ah, lovely appearance of death. Or C, how long, oh Lord, how long? <laughs> Gosh, um, I don't even care what your answer is because all of that is just so funny. I think, I think C. I just yeah, I'm just gonna go with C. The how long, oh Lord? It just sounds like a prayer of lament. Like, yeah, Rachel. Yes, that is correct. Yay! <laughs> Although to be fair, when I looked up hymn titles, the what was it? Lovely, ah, lovely appearance of death. death? Yeah. yeah. That one's awesome. If that, had been, if that had been on my list of hymns, I would have picked it. But it was I feel not. like a metal band should be doing that hymn. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, question number five. A friend refers to your taste as dark, quirky, and weird. You respond by telling them, A, my taste defies a category. B, yep, quite true. Or C, let me show you the power of overreacting. Wow. I just like rolled my eyes at all of those answers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I a little too much for you. Yeah, a little too much. I. <laughs> oh man, what was the second one? Yep, quite true. For some reason, I think you would own it. Like I, I think that you would say yes. You, you've guessed correctly. That is what I'm doing. I am dark and quirky and weird, or whatever the options were. I don't know that you would have done the other ones. I think that you would just say like correct, Rachel. Yes, that is true. <gasps> Yay. Yes. Now, like five years ago, right? Probably would have been more like C. Let me show you my emotional outburst. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Sam, you got three out of five questions correct. So that's sixty so percent correct. Win. You won. I don't. Know. I don't know if you won or not, but you got sixty percent correct, <laughs> yeah. which means you have a sixty percent understanding of Enneagram Type Four. Yes, so, which is more than anyone can say because they're the most misunderstood. Type. But you forty percent don't know me, Sam. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I did that for you. <laughs> a little mystery. <laughs> That's what we need. Those fours just need a little mystery left sure, behind. Yeah. All right, so Rachel, we ask uh, every guest that comes on the show five final questions, and so we're going to do that now. Question one, what actor or actress would play you in a movie? The girl who plays Rory from Gilmore Girls, whatever her name is, because I was told once that I look like her or that she looks like me. As an avid Gilmore Girls fan, I would say that is true. <laughs> uh, number two, if we had a phone that could call your 21-year-old self, what would you say to them? I would say, oh, dear self. <laughs> Life is going to get better. You don't believe that it will, but it will, and you just got to trust me. Question three, 
How can friends and loved ones affirm someone with your personality type? It's very affirming to me when people like affirm or appreciate the art that I create. And so Mm -hmm. like right now I create the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast. And so when people come up to me and they're like, oh, that was such a good episode or like, oh, that really moved me. Like people appreciating the art and the beauty that I'm trying to put on into the world is very affirming to me. Question number four, how does the good news of God's delight heal your type's deadly sin of envy? Yeah, so when it comes to envy, a lot of times I think my envy is directed as like, oh, God is letting this person have this thing and this person have this thing and God is withholding something from me. And so stepping into the truth that like God is good to me, like God is good to Rachel Zabo and like finding evidences of that in my life helps to curb my tendency to be envious of other people. Question five, last question. What scripture verse do you hold dear as it relates to your personality type? Yeah, so I really like Psalm 22, verse five. And it says, to you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. And I really like that because it's very grounding. You know, sometimes I can be afraid that like, oh, God doesn't really love me or God's really not for me. But that's very grounding of like, No, like this is tried and true. Like God is not changing. Like these people cried out to God and they were not put to shame. And so neither will I be put to shame. Well, Rachel, thanks for being with us today on the Enneacast. And uh, we've loved having you. Thanks so much for sharing all of this with our listeners. And also head over, listen to some of Rachel's work over at the Love That Neighborhood podcast. So whatever platform it is that you listen to podcasts on, go there now and look up Love Thy Neighborhood and give it a listen. Also, thank you to Crosspoint Ministry that trained us uh, in how to use the Enneagram. To learn more about Crosspoint or to attend one of their amazing retreats, visit crosspointministry.com. Our show is a production of Love Thy Neighborhood. Love Thy Neighborhood provides social action internships supported by Christian community for young adults ages 18 to 30. Serve for a summer or a year. Grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. Today's episode was produced by myself and Sam Stevenson. Engineering and editing by Janelle Dawkins with Justice Smith. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Sam Stevenson. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember... The eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community.